Israel National Radio's own Yishai Fleischer is bringing his brand of Zionism and positive energy to America this summer. For speaking dates, visit www.ionzion.com. That's ionzion.com. Welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. It's good to be with you folks again this week. Of course, you're here on the Noahide Nation show, and my co-host is a good friend, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Ray. How are you? I'm okay, and I just realized that I didn't say who I was. <laughs> But hopefully everyone, my name's, this, my name's pretty easy to remember. This is Ray. Yeah, this is my You can call me Ray. You can call, yeah. Oh gosh. Well, it's just another one of those days in paradise. When you're thinking of Ray, think Ray of Sunshine. Think, uh, yeah. Do Ray me. No, we'll stop there. Yeah, you're a funny guy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that, that, anyway. That, that sounded uh, convincing. <laughs> Yeah, things are uh, not normal here today, but actually they are. Abnormal, I guess, is normal. So anyway, (laughs) last week we were talking quite extensively about uh, one of the signs uh, of the Messianic era, one of the signs of the Mashiach, and that is the end of evil and sin. I know it's been a, a week and there are a couple verses that we really didn't get a chance to talk on, but... I'm convinced that we need to elaborate on these a little bit because after the show last week, Prescott and I were kind of talking off the air about, you know, evil and sin, and we're talking about something, and the the, the word kindergarten came up. And boy, that just hit home because recently there has been a move by the state of Montana. If you can believe it, Montana, I think population 10. No, it's actually bigger than that. It, Montana's a cool state. I've I've been there. It's very, very nice. But Is Hannah from uh, there? Hannah, Montana? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I've never really checked into that. But uh, if Google she that. is, you know, God bless her. But <laughs> the, the, the thing that's happening in Montana is that they have determined that they are going to begin teaching kindergartners how to have sex. Now... You want to talk about sin and evil? There it is for you, folks. That should get that definition of Montana teaching kindergartners how to have sex should be the definition in Webster's Dictionary for evil and also for sin. But what's worse still is in first grade they get to learn how men have sex with each other, how women have sex. I mean, it's just craziness, absolute craziness. The world is turned upside down. And if it, if I sound passionate to you folks, it's only because I am. Why? Now I, I'm just sort of reaching uh, here with my imagination, trying to, you know, because any time that something crazy like this, it strikes us as crazy. But any time that, that uh, something like this shows up in the news, that someone somewhere, some bureaucrat, some politician, some someone in a place of power... It, you mean some moron. 
is, this is, oh gosh, I'm I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> that came right out loud. <laughs> but it was funny, folks. His lips weren't even moving when he said it. So I, it's. Uh, <laughs> We're preparing for our World Conference Act with the the wooden dummy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing my ventriloquism. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, well, well. And any time that something like this happens, you have to ask yourself. Uh, I mean, some people just. I understand the the is the word visceral. The visceral reaction is you just want to clench your fist and you want to hit something. Um, I didn't say somebody. I said something. And but the when something like this happens, you have to ask yourself, what is the motivation behind this? I mean, it's fine to say, you know, this is crazy and it is. But it was back to uh, a part of the conversation that we had in the in the show last week where we were talking about how we have people crying out for righteousness and crying out for answers to problems. And these are the solutions that they're being offered. Right, right, right. Because this is, this, this was, this isn't about people, you know, thinking, well, you know, we got to teach these kids this because we want to turn them into little perverts. The people that are trying to implement this think they're solving a problem. They think that education Teaching the little kids this stuff is a way of helping to keep them from getting pregnant when they're young, help to keep them from being molested, and that they, you know, like there's all kinds of what we would say are probably good motivations for why they might be motivated to do this because they think this is a solution to a real problem. The problem is is that it's crazy. They just don't see that their answer is not an answer. They're actually contributing it's, it's to ins- the problem. Yes, it is utter insanity for these people. Well, no, number one, they should all be fired. Mm. Without even a, a second thought, they should all be fired. If it's a teacher's union doing it, then all the union leaders and all the teachers need to be fired. Because this is appalling. Mm-hmm. And what's crazier is the people, us, we are rising up and telling these people that we do not want this. Mm-hmm. And they just act like they're deaf. They don't want to hear us. They're going to ram it down our throats some more. And it really makes my head mm-hmm. hurt. But when we talk about evil and, and sin, this is the epitome of it. You want to, people ask the question, why is our country going down the, the, the toilet? Why is the world being flushed? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a part of your answer. That's just one part of it. There are millions of more parts of it. And it is just the utter destruction. Heaven forbid we should teach them about God or abstinence. But we can teach them about how to have sex as a kindergartner. <laughs> Well, that is, if there isn't a better advertisement <laughs> for homeschooling, mm. then advertising doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, here is, uh, I think this is irony. It's irony because they refuse to uh, elevate the teaching of abstinence, to, to even teach abstinence in the school. They, they refuse to do it. And their reason why is they say, well, because kids are going to do it anyway. They're going to do it anyway, so just don't bother with abstinence because it's not going to work. 
But these are the same social scientists that are trying to convince us that we're born good, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, 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 that we're really good people. We just do really bad things. And, you know, and this is not a, I mean, the Torah perspective is that we are given free will. And that we are, that when we're born, we have free will uh, throughout our life. And at any point in time, no matter how pressing the situation or circumstance, we always have a choice in front of us. That we are never without a choice. And this is the difference, perhaps, from the... Uh, from those who believe that we are born evil and can't help but be evil uh, because they really should be supporting this endeavor because that really fits into that model, doesn't it? Right. We need to teach Absolutely. the kids this because they're evil, and so yeah. we need to teach them yeah. about this. Exactly. But but they're not evil. They have free choice, and that's why you have to teach them abstinence. That's because they do have that choice. It, yes. And uh, so... But, but you know, it, it really is frustrating because you realize that the people that are doing this, they really believe that this will help, that this will improve. And it doesn't matter that all of their efforts in the past 50, 60, 100 years of, well, we'll call it progressivism, that in their efforts, whether it's about legalizing abortion or any number of the issues that are so near and dear to them, that they work so hard to convince people, if you just do it our way, it will make things so much better. And yet, the fact is, is that the number of abortions have not decreased since we've legalized abortion. And in fact, it hasn't actually solved any problem insofar as unwanted children. So what really was the purpose of legalizing something like abortion? Right. And and it's like that this and and we we're 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 off course. Okay, so let's this well do I'll just close off by saying yeah. I'm just going to say that that's what make that's what makes these people so dangerous. Mm. Is they actually think and believe that they are doing good. Yeah. And that is because they learn the same things that they're now teaching our kids now at a kindergarten grade level, and they think they're doing good. That's what makes them dangerous. So, but fitting that, you know, we would kind of end there and then roll into another sign here <laughs> of the Messianic era and the anointing of the Mashiach, and that is the awareness and knowledge of God. Mm. Because believe you me, when it happens, these people are going to know that there is a God. And that what they have been doing all of this time has been against Him. It has been against His Torah. Mm. It has been against His will. And they are the biggest violators of Torah that there are. So, in the Messianic era, this is going to be a time when there is literally, and I mean literally, folks, universal awareness, perception, and, and knowledge of God. This is going to go beyond just the brain pan. This is going to reach into people's hearts and in their souls. They're going to know that they know that they know. 
and for many it'll be too late i mean they will they will just be be judged harshly but nonetheless let's start off with uh, isaiah 11:9 and it says uh, in part that the earth the important part the earth shall be full of knowledge of god as the waters cover the sea that is how much knowledge of god there's going to be there is, I'm not sure, Prescott, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I believe there is more water on the earth, area-wise, than there is uh, land. Uh, yes, there is. And uh, I wasn't quick enough on my Google to pull up a number. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I guess the, the real point is, is it's really big. It's a real lot. Everyone is going to have knowledge of God. There'll be no excuse. Uh, I mean, you can yeah. continue to create excuses if you honestly think you can get away with it, but there's no way that you're not going to know who God is. That's how that's how powerful this is going to be. Yeah, it's seventy percent. Seventy percent of of the Earth's mass is covered with water. Okay, that's a lot, folks. So moving in, I love Isaiah. Here we go again. Isaiah 45, uh, 40 and verse 5. The glory of God shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see together that the mouth of God has spoken. Well, I don't know about you folks, but I, I remember Exodus and Hashem revealing himself with the ten plagues. And, you know, possibly it's going to be very fitting that he reveals himself in that fashion to mankind. Certainly, uh, mankind, majority of mankind would be deserving of it. And, it's, I mean, things are happening, odd things. I mean, Katrina happening in such a major way that it did. And the, the oil, uh, you know, the, the big problem with the oil uh, well blowing up and killing people and spewing from the earth all this oil into uh, uh, the ocean, uh, into the Gulf. I mean, just things are happening that are just absolutely crazy. And quite frankly, in my own estimation, these are things that are happening that Hashem is revealing himself. Mm. For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, he is there. He is revealing himself. But for those that cannot see this, who cannot hear this, cannot mm. understand it, there is going to be a jolt coming that is going to wake you up out of your slumber that you are in right now. Hmm. You know, <clears throat> uh, when you were saying that, it just brought to my mind uh, some thoughts that I was having over after our shows. I'm always sort of playing through uh, different scenarios, and and I realized something about about the theology that I once embraced many many years ago. Uh, when I was a Christian, <clears throat> particularly about the Messiah and the second coming, many Christians believe that when the Jews embrace their Messiah, in Christian eschatology, they actually portray that Messiah as a false Messiah. Right. Now, something that had not occurred to me before, because when you're talking about, you know, our eyes are going to be open. I, I'm, I'm wondering if people's eyes are going to be open because I think 
When we talk about the nations coming against Israel, of course, I think that most Christians would want to believe that they were on the side of the nations that were not, or that they weren't coming against Israel, that they would be siding with Israel. And I'm thinking, when the Mashiach appears, and as the Jewish people begin to recognize him as the Mashiach, Christians are going to have to make a decision at that time. Because in their books, they will carve him up as the Antichrist. He will not be the Messiah in, in their minds. Right. And so how could they then side with Israel or support Israel if Israel is embracing in their minds the Antichrist? Well, they probably just will have figured that, well, we, we tried our best. We tried to convert them as, as best we could. We got a, a number of them, uh, and that's, you know, that's, this is where the game ends, game over. Uh, we weren't able to get them all. Well, well, it, I, I understand that they're still, I mean, they're still going to be waiting. They're still mm-hmm. going to be anticipating the second coming when this happens. And when I look at the political situation right now, and that many, many Christians throughout the world are, they, they're not really happy with the way that the leadership of many of these nations are now treating Israel. But that's because they have their own messianic aspirations. Because they see that the establishment of the state of Israel as part of prophecy and so on. But once the Mashiach appears, what are they going to do in relation to Israel at that time? I, like I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking through just the logical end of this, and I realize that this is kind of a slight diversion, but we are the reason why we're doing these shows is we're trying to, to, we're trying to portray what the Tanakh, what the Hebrew Scriptures reveal about the Messianic era, and and what we are truly expecting, based on what the Scriptures show us. And there is a competing theology out there that says that the one who would bring about these changes, as we read about them in prophecy, according to the the competing theology, they are uh, that this person is in fact the antithesis, that he's the ultimate evil, not the ultimate good. And they will have to make a decision at that time about whether or not their theology is correct, because if these prophecies begin uh, being fulfilled and they have the opportunity to see with their eyes and hear with their ears, they will have to make a decision about the truth of their own doctrines and their own ideas. Well, that's uh, an interesting thought. On the other hand, they may actually say that, oh, the the Jews are embracing their Messiah. That's actually Jesus, and they'll stand up on the on the podium and say, "See, we told you." <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. You're more optimistic than I am, <laughs> I, because they're they're expecting they're, the the you know. Uh, as I say, like there, there are certain things that they're expecting, and one of them is is something quite different from what the Jewish people are looking for. 
And, I agree. And that's why I say, like, when... But they're not going to know that. They don't. A lot of them don't know that even now. No, no. Oh, well, and this is why we're, we're so, trying to say. This is the distinction right. between what you're looking for and what we're looking to from the Scriptures. And that there is a distinct difference in terms of what we are expecting. So... Well, I, I, and you'd mentioned early on uh, that you thought that you didn't really know if uh, all people were going to know. Well, in, in the, the verse, Isaiah 45, it says, All flesh shall see together. Mm-hmm. That means everyone's gonna, everyone will know. All flesh. Every person will know. Oh, ultimately but that will happen. They, yeah. will, they will have the, the choice, just like they did in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They all saw the ten plagues. They saw what happened. <laughs> and some made the decision to leave. Others yep. made the decision to stay. Same thing is going to happen. Same exact thing is going to happen. People will just deny, live in denial. Yep. They'll know it's true, but they'll live in denial, if you can imagine that. Our track <laughs> record isn't good, is it? <laughs> no. You know, if there's an it, opportunity to be missed, we'll miss it. <laughs> It's funny that, uh, you know, the Torah often talks about, you know, how the Jewish people, how, how stiff-necked they are. Well, I'm going to tell you what, they don't have a corner on the market. Uh, we as mankind, I think, are just stiff-necked. Uh, so Hashem, uh, you know, has hidden himself from us, but he does reveal himself. But he's not standing right in front of us for all to see at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't mean standing in front of us in the literal sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not uh, apparent that there is a God. For those who know and believe, they see him working all the time. For those who don't, well, they don't know. They, they say, well, it could be this, oh, it could be that. Well, you know, maybe it could be, maybe it can't be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I do know that there is a God I worship that God, and I see him in my life every day. I see him in his creation every day, mm. working and functioning, and it's a beautiful thing. So it will be at that time in that day that all flesh will see. Mm. All flesh will have God revealed to them. There will be no excuse. They won't be able to say, oh, well, I didn't know that there was a God. Mm-hmm. Forget it. That's over. No, no, not going to work. You're going to know there is a God. Now it's a choice. Mm -hmm. You can either choose to walk in his way or you can choose to walk against him. And there will be lines for both. Mm. <laughs> so, but uh, I see we're kind of bumping up against the uh, bottom of the hour again. And boy, uh, when, we, when we hit it hard like this, it really hurts. Um, but we are going to be coming back. We're talking about the awareness of Hashem, the, the knowledge of Hashem for all mankind. So please do stick around with us. We will see you on the other side. My name is Benny, and I'm from Scarsdale, New York, and I'm here in Israel to celebrate putting on my tefillin for my bar mitzvah. And we just finished checking out all the Shavaminim, because it's in my parsha. You're listening to Israel National Radio, and everybody should check it out. Hi, I'm the father. We went to put on his tefillin for the first time, and now I'm standing next to a guy who's holding a microphone. Tune in to IsraelNationalRadio.com, because it is the only radio that tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
you just pray for them. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. You're listening to Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. We're praying for redemption. Welcome back, everyone. We are very glad that you decided to stick around for the second half of the Noahide Nation show. We have been talking about the anointing of the Mashiach, signs, things that will be going on. Uh, in some cases, it will be plain as day for all to see. This is also discussing the Messianic era because it's pretty much all going to be a simultaneous event, even though it won't all, everything that we're discussing won't be all be happening simultaneously. It's going to be a process. And we kind of finished up with uh, a couple verses in Isaiah, Isaiah 11.9, Isaiah 45. And so I think we'll just go ahead and continue our discussion with another one from Isaiah. Boy, you'd think he was a prophet or something. Uh, but we have in Isaiah 52.8, it uh, uh, kind of ends with, For eye to eye they shall see as God returns to Zion. Oh my gosh, here we go again. From eye to eye, they shall see. It's just not the Jews that are going to see. It is going to be everyone. The nations will know as Israel knows. Because it will be happening. And for those who have the eyes and ears for it, they're going to know right away. In fact, we're seeing things now. So, uh, once again, Hashem is revealing to us through Isaiah that indeed everyone is going to know about this. It's not going to be for a select few. It's going to be for everyone. Mm. And you can you you know either accept it or you know don't. You know, <laughs> there's nothing we can do to change that. All we can do is pass along the info. Yeah. Uh, again, and not. Uh, uh, I always fear that I'm beating a, a horse uh, needlessly here. The fact is, is that. This, again, is one of those things that has never happened up to this point in time, that around the world there are people who do not accept the Torah as God's law, and they do not, they, they, some of them may even believe that they are worshiping the God of Israel, but, you know, the fact is, is that if I were to describe one of their deities using terminology that they would reject, if I said, well, this person is not a divine being, and this person wasn't born of the virgin, but I, but then I turn around and claim that this person is the Messiah. They say, no, 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 you got the wrong, that's not, in order to have the right Messiah, you have to have that criteria, you have to accept that criteria, born of a virgin and divine being. When it comes to the God of Israel, people believe that they are worshiping the God of Israel, that they love the God of Israel, yet they reject his Torah. You cannot reject the Torah and claim to love the God of Israel. Because the minute that you take any part of the Torah and say that this is done away with, and that's done away with, and that's no more, and this is no more, you've created, in essence, you've created another God, right. not the God of Israel. And, as I say, with their own 
with their own idea of divinity, if you were to say, for instance, we'll say, if if I believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but I didn't believe that he was a divine being, if I didn't believe in the virgin birth, most Christians would say, then you don't really believe in Jesus. Well, they would have to say it. Because you... Well, yeah, because that's that's part of part of the the, deal, the, the system. Right. It, so you you have to accept everything or nothing. When it comes to worshiping the God of Israel, you can't parse it out. You can't say, "Well, I believe in the God of Israel, but I reject the Torah." That doesn't make any sense. You are worshiping another god, and so the Messianic era is about the truth of God being revealed, the truth of His law. Because we will walk in the light of that law. That will be the guide for the nations. And you know, not to worry, everyone will know this. <laughs> so that's right. Everyone fact, will know this. Uh, uh, Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 31, <laughs> chapter 31 and verse uh, 32 and 33, Jeremiah tells us that I, well, Hashem is telling us through Jeremiah that I shall put my teaching in their inward parts, and write it in their heart. And I shall be to them their God, and they shall be to me for a people. They shall no longer teach one another, and a man to his brother, saying, No, God, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. And this is one of those, we'll call it a, you know, one of those spiritual things that isn't going to manifest in the physical. What he's telling us is he is going to write the Torah in our hearts. Now, for Gentiles, he's going to write the Torah of the Noahide laws. For Jews, he's going to write the Torah of the Ten Commandments or the 613. We're going to get this. He'll write it into our hearts. And that's why he's saying that no one's going to have to teach this. You're not going to need rabbis. <laughs> You're not going to need uh, any any kind of teachers because now you will know. Now it's a matter of what are you going to do about it. You're either with me, yeah. and if you're not with me, you're against me. Uh, there is no middle of the road. It's it'll be decision making time. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, whether you know he tells us, whether it's the least of us to the greatest of us. It's not gonna matter. We are all going to know. Everyone, A to Z. Yeah. And if there is any question um about what those laws are, if you keep reading in Jeremiah thirty one thirty five, thus said the Lord who established the sun for light by day, the laws of moon and stars for light by night who stirs up the sea into roaring waves, whose name is Lord of hosts. If these laws should ever be annulled by me, declares the Lord, only then would the offspring of Israel cease to be a nation before me for all time. So if there's any question about what laws he's referring to, because there are some people who believe that what they believe in their hearts is the law. And it's not. It's the Torah. And when the Messianic era takes place, the Torah will be written on our hearts. And I can say with some certainty that uh, anybody who believes they don't need a teacher at this present time 
is is sorely <laughs> deceived because we need right. we need good well, teachers. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> for, for for further evidence that he hadn't arrived yeah. yet. <laughs> the anointing hasn't That's occurred. Right. We are That's not right. in we the messianic <laughs> era. Yeah. How, however, yeah, this is going to be so powerful. I mean, this is going to be a divine spirit. That's going to be upon everyone, yeah. and it's it's going to yeah. uh, quite possibly uh, give everyone the the I don't want to use the word power because Hashem is going to be a, a natural thing that we we are going to be able to do, and that's prophesy. People are going to have mm. that capacity. What's amazing still is that people are going to be able to say yes or no. They're going to be, be you know accept it. Or they can turn and walk away from it, and it's you know just unbelievable to me that that is even possible. But it's unbelievable to me that there were, there were more Hebrews that stayed in Egypt than that left. That's you know just an amazing mm-hmm. thing. So you know we're we're gonna kind of see that opportunity uh, once again. I I guess, and, and I really hope everyone chooses to to follow Hashem. I, I really do. But anyway, let, let's jump uh, uh, along here. Uh, unless you've got something to add to that, Prescott? No, no. I was just going to say, the only. I mean, that's the reason why we're here, really, is because we believe that people do have the, the, the freedom to choose right. to serve Hashem. And, and uh, you know, we're here simply saying, you know, the, the choice is before you. Uh, anybody who wants to say this is a fixed game and there are no options, they, you know, Hashem knows the future from the past. I mean, for him, there is no future and past in essence. I mean, he, he is the future he, and past. He transcends. <laughs> that's right. He transcends time. But we're stuck here in time, and, uh, and, and therefore for us, we are always given the opportunity to choose. It has not been fixed. Your fate hasn't been sealed. You have a choice before you today. Who will you serve? Who will you turn to? Who will you look right. to for guidance? Will you continue to look to idols, to false prophets, or will you turn to the God of Israel? Will you turn to Hashem and His Torah? Well, uh, this is another uh, example here of how powerful this knowledge of an awareness of Hashem is going to be in Joel 3, 1 and 2. It says, I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your elders shall dream dreams. Your young shall see visions. In those days I shall pour out my spirit also upon the servants and the handmaids. Well, here again, we're talking about something that is a a divine thing that is going to occur. It's not you're not going to be able to stop it. It is just going to happen. And here again, you will know that you know that you know. There 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 will be no question. The only question is going to be <laughs> now what. <laughs> you know, either, again, you're either for it or against it, and you get to make the the decision uh, you know, all by yourself, because this is a relationship between yeah. you and Hashem, and it always is, and always has been, and always will be. It's up to us, the individual. Hashem tells us that we all 
die for our own sins. Tells us that in Exodus, tells us that again in uh, Deuteronomy, but he tells us that each one of us will die for our own sins. This is a further indication is that each one of us must have this relationship with Hashem, with our Creator. No one else can have it for us. We must make the decision for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and it, actually, in Joel, it does uh, give kind of, of an interesting timeline here because uh, if you go back a few verses, uh, verse 25, I will repay you for the years consumed by swarms and hoppers, uh, 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 by grubs and locusts, the great army I let loose against you, and you shall eat your fill and praise the name of the Lord your God who who dealt so wondrously with you. My people shall be ashamed. Is that is that two twenty five? Where is that? Well, uh, I'm looking at. Oh yeah, yeah it must okay. be two twenty five. Sorry. Yeah, my my. I think my my software was just okay. hiccuping here, so uh, I couldn't uh, find find it initially. Anyway, when I finally found it and was reading it, it was like, oh wow, this is so cool. Um, so in verse twenty seven, and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that's what we were talking about just earlier about the fact that there, you know, we will, we will know that that Hashem is in the midst of Israel, that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. So there won't be any question who is God, and my peop- uh, my people shall be shamed no more. Okay, <laughs> so that means at this time there will there won't be shame on Israel anymore, and then. The next verse says, after that. So we know that the Spirit is going to be poured out after this happens. After it is clear that Hashem is living in the midst of Israel. After it is clear that they will be, they will face no more shame. That they will be not subjected to any more harassment by the nations. And they will no longer be ashamed. It says, after that, I will pour out my Spirit. Now, I used to be a Pentecostal. And this verse was very important. After that, I will pour out my spirit. That was a very important verse to right. Pentecostal Christians. But when you go back and you read this, because this, these are the things that, you know, like when, when you, when you come out of that system and you begin reading the prophets afresh and you start looking at these verses and you're saying like, how could we not see this? How could we not understand it? How could we take the words out of these scriptures and and distort them so clearly and evidently. Now, maybe the people back in the first century believed that they that Israel was going to be redeemed and and that the Messiah was going to come very soon and all of this was going to happen. But clearly, two thousand years later, we've got no more excuse. We can't look back at that time and say, oh, "Well, they're they're still right." <laughs> you can't look back two thousand years and say they're still right. No. <laughs> Read the prophecy here in Joel. After that, after I have been established in the midst of Israel, after they realize that I am the Lord their God and there is no other, and my people shall be ashamed no more. After that, I will pour out my spirit. Right. right. It hasn't happened. It hasn't Can happened. You imagine when it does. My question is, is when wow. it, you yeah. know, uh, pondering that Israel will not be shamed anymore is obviously directed at the nations. That, Like you say, they won't be harassing Israel anymore. They won't be blowing up women and children at bus stops and all of that stuff. Mm. My question is, 
Does that mean the United Nations will be disbanded? <laughs> I mean, I I guess we can only hope, right? (laughs) We we, we can only hope. Um, I I know that they won't be meeting in New York anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I wish they were meeting there now. (laughs) But this is uh, very, very powerful and just a further indication, and there are others, but just a further indication and confirmation that all the world is is going to know Hashem. And, of mm. course, I use the word confirmation. Somebody listening to this who happens to be an atheist, how they would have found us, I don't know. But <laughs> if they were an atheist, they'd say, ah, well, this doesn't confirm anything. Well, you have to have a, a basis, a, a foundation on which to even start. And that is a knowledge that, that uh, a God does exist, that his Torah exists, and it's real. And then you go on from there and, and discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, but even they, in that day, will know who God is. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of brings us... And, and we'll try to get some of this in. I know for certain we're not going to get all of it in. But imagine everyone in the world knowing who Hashem is. And now we come to the universal worship of Hashem. The universal mm-hmm. worship of God. Can you imagine? I mean, that's so almost so hard to even imagine, to even comprehend it. I can't do it. I literally <laughs> can't do it. I like to think that I can do it. But I can't. I mean, it just, for me, it's like it's not humanly possible. Now, you know, I'm definitely not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just so far outside of the box that I can't, I can't get my head around it. But I, I will patiently wait for that to happen and may it happen in, in our lifetime. But uh, the universal worship of of God. In essence, the Mashiach will help be, shall I say, instrumental in, in some of this. Obviously, we're not going to be worshiping the, the Mashiach. That's not, that's not the point here. But he will help in, uh, how can we say, in, 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 in mending the world, as it were, of its ways, and will help us to serve Hashem in unity. The Jews, their way, and the, the Gentiles, their way, but in unity towards Hashem, the one who deserves to be worshipped, our Creator. That's, that's what this is all about. And, and in uh, Zephaniah 3 and verse 9, it tells us that, For then I shall turn to the people a pure tongue, that all shall call upon the name of God to serve him with one consent. So we kind of take that and we kind of pick this apart a little bit. We see that, you know, we could take a, a guess, a speculative guess at what the one pure tongue would be. And I'm just right now going to cast, I'm going to cast my vote for Hebrew and I'm getting an envelope and a piece of paper. I'm going to write Hebrew down and put it in the envelope and seal it and see what happens when it, when it uh, actually occurs. But it'll be one pure tongue. Not Greek. I I can only believe it's going to be Hebrew. And (laughs) the other interesting thing here that I I really grabbed hold of me was uh, when he said that, that we shall all call upon the name of God mm. to serve him with one 
consent. Remember, mm. what happened at Mount Sinai? What did they do? What happened in one loud voice? They said, we will do and mm-hmm. we will hear. Would that not have been of one consent to Hashem in one loud voice? Can you imagine the world saying that? Mm-hmm. Uh, either out loud or in their hearts, in their minds saying that. But apparently it will be done that the whole of uh, mankind with the help of the Mashiach and understanding uh, you know his teachings that he's going to be uh, providing to mm-hmm. uh, man. We're going to you know learn a little bit about how to worship mm-hmm. Hashem, our Creator, and do it in unity. Jews and Gentiles will be unified with the help of the Mashiach and by the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And if we move on, we can look at well. This actually encompasses a couple. One is uh, Isaiah. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, and also again in Micah, chapter 4, verses in uh, verse 1 and 2, and it basically states that the mountain of God's house shall be established at the top of the mountains, and it shall be raised above the hills, and all the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of God to the house of the God of Jacob and let him teach us of his ways that'll be the Mashiach let the Mashiach teach us of his ways of God's ways and we will and we shall go in his paths in other words we will walk the path of Hashem mm-hmm. for from Zion shall go forth Torah hmm and the word of God from Jerusalem Boy, that's a mouthful. And, and I mean, and it is just packed with so much information that we need to be aware of. And boy, we're kind of running short on time. But you know, let's see if we can let's see if we can get at least some of this out. You know, the mountain of God. It's going to be above all others. Mm-hmm. The house of God will be on this mountain, and it will be above all the idols, which will be laying in rubble. At, mm-hmm. at that point, but it will be raised above all on the highest mountain. All of the nations will stream to it. Mm-hmm. Here, the nations just want to do nothing but destroy it. They mm-hmm. want to destroy Israel. They want to destroy the Jewish people. Well, those days will be over, and mm-hmm. we will stream to it. And I am willing to bet if there is still any animosity that the Gentiles are going to surround the temple and defend it against attack. It will not be destroyed a third time. I, I, I truly believe that. And Prescott, I'm sorry to say we may have to you know, finish this off. In fact, we'll go ahead and you know, finish this off next week unless an interview okay. happens to come up. We'll have to wait and see. But universal worship of God, we will continue on with that next week, my friends. But in the mm-hmm. meantime... You have a great week, and always look to the heavens for your help from Hashem, because I guarantee He is always looking out for you. Shavua Tov. Shalom.
Kidashta, the personal touch, invite everyone to their two exciting stores, one in the heart of Jerusalem and one in Modeim. Kidashta, the personal touch, is the epitome of elegant style and service. Sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, teletot, mezuzot, and much more. And also features a full boutique wine department specializing in Israeli wines. And, of course, everything is available online at Judaica 4 u Judaica, the numeral 4 and the letter U, dot com. First Israel Mortgages. Our mission is to help people obtain the right mortgage, get preferred rates, and realize their dream of owning a home in Israel. Our staff is made of American-born Israelis who understand your needs when structuring a mortgage. At First Israel, your financial security is paramount. Visit us online at firstisrael.co.il. That's firstisrael.co.il.